Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the VPZD show. What are we at? Episode 15 now, VP? 15, 14, something like that. ZD, somewhere something like in that. There. Somewhere in there, but I'm... <laughs> One of your hosts, Dr. Zubin Demanya, UCSF Stanford trained hospitalist and host of the Z Dog MD show. And this is Dr. Vinay Prasad. He is an extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary. <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> Extraordinary. Insert your favorite word. It'll depend on uh, who you ask. Uh, I'm uh, an associate professor here at UCSF, and I'm a hemonk doctor, and we are uh, the hosts of this news show. I like to call it a medical news show, but, uh, you know, we don't always get through all the news. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, it's good for me because it's where I get my news now, Vinaya. I no longer watch the news. I'm just, I'm too frightened. I'll learn something about Putin that'll make me want to fly over there and slap him across the face. You know, I'm too emotionally <laughs> volatile. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, the news it's it's it, it it was always depressing it's been really depressing lately um covid is uh you know you have to click on the tab to get to covid these days that's saying something <laughs> right you got to click that on the is. tab it's russia russia and then if you click on the second tab uh oh look at this actually live confirmation hearings are number one uh okay. of the supreme court justice ukraine russia war number two and coronavirus pandemic last updated 20 minutes ago i'm looking at the new york times it's number three so it's it's been pushed back well, you know, we can thank pestilence, uh, war. I mean, I guess it is pestilence. We can thank war for this and uh, also Supreme Court uh, stuff. I mean, it's kind of cool. We have female African-American uh, justice being going through the confirmation process. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I haven't kept up. Are you a, are you a legal scholar? Are you like the law? I am. You yeah. know, like, I'll tell you what, whatever's in the news, I'm suddenly an expert in it. So it, when, <laughs> when, when Putin invaded Ukraine, I almost, I just decided, you know what? I'm a geopolitical expert. I know Russian well, history. Well, you Here joke, we go. but some of these COVID pundits, they added a biosafety expert in their handle and started tweeting some nonsense <laughs> about it. <laughs> Man, that's great. You know, look, if it gives you power, glory, and influence, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, that that seems to be the driver for a lot of folks. People have accused us of that, too. Oh, they just want influence and, and all mm -hmm. that. We've talked about this. It's like, kind of like, well, no, VP's been up to no good for a long time. And interestingly, uh, you know, uh, you, if you look at my Twitter feed, you, you didn't see the Russia pivot because I do actually stay out of things that uh, I don't like to think about or I don't have any expertise in. The reason I got deep into COVID is, of course, I feel like I do have that expertise. And so, and people weren't saying what I wanted them to say. They were saying crazy stuff. Yeah. So you had to, uh, you had to have an intervention on a mass scale. That, mass, uh, mass intervention, you know, and led it's still, to this podcast. it's still not done. And by the way, no. we have to close the loop on something. On the last episode of VPZD, you told the saga of the Cal Academy, which is, uh, <laughs> sorry to bring up old news. Sorry to, I thought the wound was healed. I'm going to pick at the scab. You brought Do up, it. you brought up this, uh, you know, this uh, Covidian museum in Golden Gate Park that uh, has single-handedly decided, um, uh, you know, to enforce a booster mandate at young age. Of course, you know, when you think booster mandates, you think the place that ought to make those kind of big decisions is, of course, Cal Academy. You know, it's, it's not supposed to be any sort of federal regulator. It should be Cal Academy. And um, <laughs> uh, we pointed out the absurdity of the policy, et cetera. 
Um, somebody wrote to me, a very smart person, and this person said that one of the things you didn't mention that is further evidence of the absurd policy was that if you're one day post-booster, you don't need the test. And so the booster, you know, it cannot possibly work immediately. Um, and uh, yet the policy did not have any sort of time window after the booster. And so that's yet another example that they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's funny, man, VP, like as they updated that, I, I went, you know, I, I, I had deactivated Twitter and I'd gotten up to the limit of where I could reactivate it. So it was like, okay, the clock was ticking and then I just lose that account for good. And I was okay with that. And then, you know, a lot of people talked to me, including you, and they were like, you know, you were correct about the Cal Academy, yeah, but that wasn't the reason I deleted Twitter. It's just because it's accessible. But right. I, I realized, you know, there, your idea of like, just, hey, just have your team post and ghost on there so that you can reach people with the videos you care about that are nuanced and actually contextual and aren't, you know, the little sound bites. You're very good at Twitter. I mean, you put in threads and you do all that. I'm too lazy. I'm a bad writer. So, so with, with Ca the Cal Academy thing, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, dude, I've, you know, they needed to change their policy. That was, that's not a science-based policy. Like you said, because there's absurdity baked into it. Like the fact that one day post booster, you don't need a test. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I understand that they're trying to, you know, uh, kind of push people to do this thing, which again, also doesn't make sense because you know that's not their people. that's not their fucking job i'll be honest i hate yeah, to say yeah, it's not their yeah. fucking job they're a museum they shouldn't be pu pushing 12 year olds to get boosted they're so far out of their fucking job i mean are you crazy they don't they have not even thought through the ramifications of aggressive boosting we've had two people resign at fda paul has been talking about it off it your friend um you know you can't have these rogue museums decide to set booster policies i mean this is not how it should work in america i mean look we can disagree when the cdc sets a policy we can disagree when the fda authorizes a product you can agree you can disagree you can disagree with your state policy i get that but you just can't have a system where rando preschool, rando museum is setting policies like this. These are products that are under emergency use authorization. They're not meant for museums to decide we're going to use coercive power at our museum. They are, you know, we have to have some expertise involved in those decisions. Even if I disagree with the decision, I'd rather it be made at a different level. Yeah, oh, no, I'm with you. And, and the thing is, it's, it's schools are doing this. So, you know, public schools. So my kid's in a middle school. There's no mask, indoor mask mandate now. Oh. And yet every, yeah, every single child is wearing a mask, she told me. She feels peer pressured and social pressured into wearing one. She doesn't have a problem with masking, but she's like, well, if it doesn't make scientific sense, why are we doing it? And I'm like, uh, good question. But the, the, the interesting thing is, so there was a kid in her class, in one of her classes that, decided I'm gonna take my mask off. And the teacher moved the child. So publicly told the class, listen, uh, if you're gonna not wear a mask, I'm gonna put you next to the door because I'm high risk. And of course, this person was not necessarily high risk. They were, they were my age, masked, triple vaccinated, and made an example of this child. That's not good, um, man. That's not, not good. good. That yeah. is an example, I think, of what you're saying of these rogue scientists, the rogue decision makers. Like, since since when is that the role of a teacher? Now, I understand if the teacher's uncomfortable, then there's probably structural things they can address. But singling out a child who's actually obeying the state non mandate. Yeah, seems crazy good. to me. Let me let's yeah. let, let's point out that 
there can be problems on both sides. And I can imagine there's a kid right now in, I don't know, maybe a Texas school, and it's the only child who chooses to mask. And that child right. shouldn't be bullied, shouldn't be teased, shouldn't be made feel uncomfortable. Let's say Absolutely. that. At the yeah. same time, if you come to um, outdoor N95 capital of the world, the Bay Area, and you're a child who decides, <laughs> you know, your child who decides, hey, listen, uh, I'm young, I'm healthy, uh, maybe I don't need to wear this N95, and the rule has changed, you should not be ostracized, shamed like this teacher is doing. And by the way, you know, I'm fully cognizant of the fact that there are some people who are actually still vulnerable, absolutely. Um, people who are undergoing certain types of treatments, highly vulnerable. I think we also have to recognize that when people self-identify as I'm immunosuppressed or vulnerable, they may not be meaning the same thing that uh, you know a physician might mean when they think about the most vulnerable people. And you know, I, I had someone recently tell me that uh, they know somebody who's 24 with mild exercise-induced asthma who is um, immunocompromised. And mm. uh, asthma, of course, is a subtle risk factor for COVID-19, sure. But I wouldn't classify a 24-year-old who can run 11 miles, as this person could, and has to use an albuterol inhaler sometimes when they're running so hard. I wouldn't classify that person as a highly vulnerable person from COVID-19. And so I think we need to have some clarity as to who is actually vulnerable and who isn't vulnerable. And as you know, David Lionheart had some nice articles in New York Times showing that liberals, particularly very liberal people, vastly overestimate the risk of this virus. Um, and they have a really distorted sense of risk. They, they're sort of enumerate. Yeah, I, I think this is crucial, actually, everything you pointed out, because there's, listen, we, we tend to take this tack because we live in the N95 outdoor capital of the world, right? Like you said, we, we tend to really focus on this idea of like, hey, don't shame people if they don't want to wear masks and let's look at risk. And you're right, liberals overestimate risk. But then then you get to, I think what we should, I, I'm glad you pointed this out that like, in other parts of the country, it's the opposite right. issue. It's it's the it's the conservatives overestimating risk of the vaccine, um, underestimating risk in in high risk populations, and then overemphasizing the problems uh, with masking. Uh, and there is the shaming component of people who do wear masks. So, and, and now this idea of being enumerate, like not understanding risk, I think that's a core problem here. Like if core we could problem. really teach people, you know, like if you could teach the California Academy of Science about risk, wouldn't that be nice i mean if they can't figure it out how, how is an individual getting it right i, I think mean, there's a client yeah no that's really well put and if i really think about the cal academy the reason i think it irks me is that they are not really proving themselves to be scientists they're proving themselves to be ideologues and like you know yeah. we all know there's this left-right political dimension to this um by the way yeah. on this topic you're talking about ridiculous policies Kyrie Irving. This has happened since we last spoke. This is in the news. I, I, uh, I think I did a video on it. And uh, boy, I really, um, it's a story that really I find so intriguing. So Kyrie Irving is a basketball player uh, in New York City, and that's his home team. And he is unvaccinated. And somebody has told me that he's had and recovered from COVID-19. But he's a 20-something-year-old, extremely healthy guy, had recovered COVID-19, unvaccinated. And in New York City, they have lifted the mandate for the stadium arena. You can now attend in the stadium arena. No mask, no vaccine passport. You can be there in the front row. Unfortunately, if you're unvaccinated and an employee in New York City, you're not allowed to work. 
And so that means Kyrie Irving can literally sit courtside, breathing all over the court, but he cannot stand on the court because that would be an unvaccinated player playing. And he went in the locker room and they fined his team $50,000. So here you have the dude in a picture. He's like three feet away from the people playing. But if he stood on the court and he shot the basketball, that would be a violation of the rules. And I just think that this is why... You know, you don't need to know anything in America to know that that's some bullshit. You know, that that's some <laughs> that's some bullshit, man. That's some stupid rule. And, you know, I saw Kevin Durant and he's he just went on a rant about how this is such a stupid rule. I mean, it is a stupid rule. And, you know, people who want um, to have trust in public health, and I'm one of them, we have to condemn stupid rules like this. We have to say, look, this is not public health. This is zealotry, irrationality. This is not what evidence-based public health means. This is literally contradictory. Um, thoughts? Dude, this is the left brain ascendancy. So this reductionist, everything is parts and rules and bureaucracy. That's that's what this is. It's like, oh, well, here, here's the rule. And it makes no sense. It's out of context. It actually has no common sense or rationale. And it's unscientific. So you combine all those things and now that's policy. Of course, you should be upset. Like this is, and, and like you said, because we actually care about public health, contrary to some, what some people say about us, which I think is insane, we actually revere the idea of public health. I actually revere, I've revere vaccination as a, as a public health tool. And yet here we're seeing it all that faith, all that trust and, you know, belief in that yeah. system is being eroded, eroded. by Eroded. These morons, they're yes. bureaucrats and functionaries yeah. and idiots. And, you know, you, you want to take them outside and beat them yeah, you because do. you're just like, what is wrong with you? You're ruining decades of progress on uh, on this stuff by by just behaving like an ideologue. I think you said it. It's a just pure tribal ideologueness. You know, and I look at like, um, I see on Twitter, um, you know, I've been writing a couple Substacks. When cases go up, what happens when cases go up? I wrote one February 10th, March 10th. Now, finally, the wastewater data, it's looking a little, a little making people nervous. That wastewater, right. see, right. When they see, you know, when they're looking in the, in the, in the effluent, I think they call it effluent. That's the technical term for what they're yes, looking yes. at. It's, it's the, the log, it's the log of the logs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just say that, uh, you know, I, did, I, I had to do a lot of things I didn't want to do to get into medical school, but the, I didn't have to go through some effluent. But okay, they're looking <laughs> in the effluent and they find that it's going up. They're getting nervous. And then I see people saying, you know, we got to get ahead of this. We got to start masking those toddlers again. And I'm like, no, that's not what you do. That's not what you do to get ahead of this. What you do is you vaccinate people who didn't have COVID-19 over the age of 65. You boost them, um, yeah. but you, you take it easy on the young people. That's not going to be the driver here. Um, yeah, but you try not to generate fatigue in the population course, too. Yeah. yeah, which you've done already. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on Hong Kong? Is a Hong Kong Hong situation Kong. to me is is amazing. It's like, yeah. wait, they did everything here incorrect in terms of risk. Yeah. So the the over seventy year old population That's was like, no, nah, we don't we, we don't trust vaccines. They're like, oh yeah, you're like you're like uh, you know the over eighty five year old population was like, I'm pretty worried about the long term consequences of vaccine. I'm like, how long <laughs> how long term are you worried about? You're eighty five. You need that vaccine for next week, buddy. You know what are you worried about? You're worried about what when you're ninety five, one hundred and five. But yeah, Again, risk I, I risk. Mean, 
they they followed the zero COVID ideology. They built the yep. altar to Lord Zero COVID. Um, and the problem <laughs> with Lord Zero COVID is it's a it's a false god. Um, Lord mm. Zero COVID is not tenable. Now they could have done one thing, as you say, if they had just vaccinated older people. Then if Omicron s- swept them, it would have been a lot better. Um, yeah, New Zealand maybe they're they're kind of closer to that. They they did vaccinate older people. They did get swept by by Omicron. Um, they did pray to zero Lord Zero COVID, but you know I think they've done better. But they're also very cleverly. I don't know if you know this. The New Zealand Health Policy Minister they decided to take their country and drop it in the middle of the Pacific Ocean as an island nation. That was a very smart early <laughs> good policy move. move. Very good savvy. move. Good move. Very you know, savvy. I kept saying that we should do it here, but no one listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our problem is we're connected to Mexico and Canada. You know, and and uh, this whole land bridge. You know, I I think the whole breakup of Pangaea was one of the smartest public health moves in history. You know? You're right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it separated the flora and fauna. It kept it, right? You break up Pangaea, yep. you know? Yep. So you're pro, te- you're pro tectonic plates. You're pro tectonic plates. You know what? People say I'm anti-geology. I'm anti uh, geology. I'm not. I'm pro tectonic plates. Pro tectonic plates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pro magma. I oh, really enjoy magma. <laughs> yes, those 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 collusions between the plates that generate the ring of fire around the That's Pacific. A, I'm, I'm very I, much. I like for the that. word magma. Uh, yes, magma. Ma. Yes. Yeah. You know, you. This is, I think, the fourth or fifth Doctor Evil reference you uh, have uh, dropped. On I, this podcast. I as a as a as a diminutive bald man with a. a <laughs> it always resonated. It always connected. <laughs> it always, it really did. You know, the laser. Uh, you know, and, and so, it, so so back to Hong Kong. I got to well, say, I was going to say that that's how oh, it yeah. was when you launched. Uh, you know, you launched your YouTube channel. They're like, "What do you want?" You're like, "One million dollars." <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> one million I like, I subscribers. Want, I want one million. Subscribe. Actually, back then it was like ten thousand subscribers. Ten thousand, yeah, right. Like uh, uh, Doc, Doctor Z Dog. Uh, that's like really achievable these days. Like any <laughs> any kid with an Instagram account can do that. Anybody with okay. a TikTok uh, who dances, yeah. Anybody, right? Yeah, a uh, hundred thousand subscribers. Uh, anyone? Oh <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> but but you know, so Hong Kong, you're right. If, if they had just if they had just vaccinated, then you can have Omicron BA two or BA three or BA twelve. Right. You're protected against severe disease. The reason they have the highest death rate in the world right now is because they didn't vaccinate their most vulnerable, which is all, you have one job. Just do that. You had like one COVID job. Zero. You I like this idea of, of the Lord COVID zero. Like Lord he shall Canada. smite thee with open borders. If ye do, doth choose the open borders, you ye see, shall be they're, smote. They're doing a lot of things to sate God uh, zero COVID. Uh, they're even in Europe, they started culling hamsters. They're killing off some hamsters because you know the hamsters. No. Yeah, they got some yeah, people people culling animals. Um, you know, the animals can get zero COVID. I saw um, that uh, COVID has been evolving in deer. Um, yes. You know, and, uh, you know. It, and deer, I understand you could totally get to zero deer. That's an easy thing. You just let Joe Rogan go hunting for like a week. <laughs> Who knew he was both the problem and the solution? To and, that, the yeah. solution. and the solution. You got to hold paradox if you're going to live in this world. Uh, I feel, I, I, I honestly, I mean, you know, I listened to his episodes and I, there are a lot I liked, a lot I didn't like. But after I kept watching people attack him, even I started to feel some sympathy because, uh, you know, I'm like, he, look, He's a guy who has a show. You don't have to listen. The fact yeah. he's very influential speaks poorly of you. It doesn't, it's yeah. just because you're offering a shit product, <laughs> CNN. I mean, your product is terrible. I yeah. mean, not a day goes by where I look at the news and I don't, I think to myself, there are so many errors in this story, so many errors in the coverage of this article, so much uncritical stuff. I got to say, lately I've been really pessimistic because, um, 
I don't know. I I tweeted some article. I wrote something. I you know I saw something, and uh, and then somebody tells me, oh, here's the thing you're you're missing about this article. Except everything they say from that point is like totally wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. And it, you know, it hit me, Z Dog, that like that the average person watching just has no idea who is right and who is wrong. And it, I felt like oh, chill yeah. down my spine. Yeah, that that's why you know I, you know when 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 when. Putin invaded Ukraine. My first, and I'm I'm absorbing all the news, and I was like, "Wow, at a war in Europe in this day and age, and yeah. this is happening." And it, I I did some rant live, and I was just like, "God, just fuck this and fucking Putin." And I, and then I realized something. I was like, "Wait, I could be complete. I have no idea what I'm talking about because I'm just believing whatever I'm seeing on CNN or Fox or any of this stuff, and I have no independent ability to confirm any of this. I have no idea of the deep history involved. I I, I know nothing, and." So recently I read an article in, I don't know if it was a Wall Street Journal or something, it was an op-ed, and it basically said, how come the press is not talking about the fact that the Ukrainians are winning this war? Like mm. they're talking about this inevitable Russian victory. But if you look at all the actual battlefield data and, and he went through kind of meticulously and said, the Russians are losing this and nobody is talking about that. And I thought, okay, whether that's true or not, what's fascinating is completely diametrically opposite truths can 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 be out there and you don't know which is true. And as a non-expert in this, I have no clue. So imagine what it's like in COVID, you know, that's, for somebody you know, trying that's to- That's a great analogy because um, obviously in any war, there is news and there's propaganda and they often yep. intertwine. The fact is that the people who are running the show are often the people who are also selecting what information to make available. And mm. truth be told, I think there are, you know, things that I've read and listened to uh, that I think are credible. There are things that I'm not so sure about. Um, you know, I don't have a deep geopolitical expertise in the space. Um, but as you say, um, it, it, it makes me it, it reminds me of what it would be like if I was approaching COVID, not as somebody who is a professor of epidemiology and a doctor, but as a layperson. It would be very, very difficult. And I think you'd have a hard time teasing out what's truth from fiction. Absolutely right. Yeah, and you know, on top of that, so my kids and I went to this um, local Chinese restaurant here in San Carlos near near our studio, and we we were sitting in there, and they had the big screen TV on with a nightly news playing. And I don't I don't have TV, like I don't watch. I have Netflix and those kind of things. I don't have any cable, so I don't watch news. I, I read articles on news that that digested and so on. And and I found myself riveted by these stories of Ukraine and I realized something cause I was getting angry. I was feeling like emotional and I was, and my kids were like, what are you, what are you watching? And I'm like the news, shut up. I'm watching the news about this monster Putin and he's murdering these. And then I realized what, what was happening is the, the, the medium, how you're actually portraying news will determine your empathic emotional response and watching images like video images of this stuff and the way they're framing it and the way they're appealing to this kind of very limbic, hijack of our emotions. I was like, wow, I'm getting so angry and I'm feeling so much sadness for these people and so on. Whereas when I read an article, I'm able to kind of detach a little bit and have a more detached compassion, mm. which, so that we really are, the medium is the message and it really does manipulate us. So I imagine the same with COVID. I've not seen TV reporting on COVID, but I've had people reach out and they're like, you are a monster. Like why, how, why don't you take this quote unquote seriously? People are dying. I've seen these stories on the news and I, I, I just didn't understand it until I watched this news approach. And I was like, oh, they're they're completely emotionally invested in this because of the medium that's uh, uh, informing them. I mean, and I think there's obviously a role for both because I think many things in war, um, it's taken that one photograph that's really kind of brought people 
to see what was going on that they couldn't see yeah. when it was just stats. Yeah. At the same time, I think COVID is a great example. As you say, you can take a video camera to the emergency room and you can talk to a doctor who just finished a long shift who's seen grim things. And that doctor says, things are bad here. We have to do everything. We have to close schools. And now suddenly you have a very yeah. emotional appeal to closing schools. And to some degree, this did kind of happen. Um, and uh, But the reality is, if you close the schools, the doctor will still be bombarded and it will be almost the same as if you open the schools. The only difference is those kids will be crushed. And there's no yeah. documentary film crew following around every kid who's getting abused by their parents, who don't have enough to eat, who's not, who's like falling behind on grades. So it's sort of an asymmetry of what we can photograph and what we can't photograph. And I can imagine if you had a different documentary film crew that's following the kid who's no longer in school, who's, you know, trapped at home with an abusive parent with, you know, literally no hope, don't even know when they'll be rescued. Um, I think it will have a different emotional appeal. And so that's the problem with policy, I think, at least in healthcare policy, where I do have expertise in, is that you have to feel both stories, yes, but you have to then objectively look at the data and say, which is worse. And that's the harder part. I think that's the part that takes practice. Uh, I mean, the, the, this is central to this whole thing because it, you have the general mainstream media that are making these decisions of what to cover, right? So if they're covering the doctor who's like head is in his his or her hands and has seen this horrible thing, that's what they're going to do. But they're, they're going to make an election or a choice not to cover the other story, like you said. And this, I think what you point at is the, this, this distinction that I often make when I talk about this, which is the distinction between cognitive empathy and affective empathy. So affective empathy is feeling someone else's pain as your own and acting from that short-term feeling, mm -hmm. cognitive empathy is a more detached understanding. Now, psychopaths can have cognitive empathy so they can manipulate people by understanding what they're feeling, but not necessarily feeling it. So it has its downsides, but it has its upsides, which is you can understand a problem, you can understand their suffering, and then you can apply a, a broader, less emotional solution, um, which in this case would be to look at the area under the curve of harm to children and go, That's we right. should not close schools. Um, now, let me ask you this. In the time since we last spoke, there's some big news out there, and I want to know how you feel about it. Now, do you want me to give your fourth dose in your left arm or right arm? Which arm are you going to take? <laughs> right. I want you to give it right in Buck's fascia, and the, the doctors out there will know exactly what I'm talking about. In Buck's fascia? <laughs> <laughs> right in the spongiform tissue. Oh, yes. boy. It's contraindicated. Yeah, um, it is. So, uh, well, you know, it, it will get you the inflammatory response. But, um, you know, um, I, I, I was shocked because I guess Pfizer's going after 65 and up. And, you know, we'll have a debate about that data. I wish it were randomized, but I think it's 65 and up is, is one situation. Moderna's going for 18 and above. I mean, and they, you know. For a fourth. For, for fourth, a fourth. And they have no rent. Yeah. And I mean, are you, is anyone going to seriously look me in the eye and say, I got a 19-year-old guy here from college, a college kid. He's super healthy. He goes running all the time. He's super fit. He's gotten three doses of mRNA vaccine. And, you know, he just had Omicron and recovered. We want to give him a fourth dose because because uh, 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 our shareholders, Safety? our shareholders. I mean, I mean, the, the pandemic uh, is, uh, is, uh, is uh, you know, I mean, come on, get out of here. You have no data. 
I don't want to rant too much. I'll let you go. You know, I I, got to say this about fourth. Like, since when does the CEO of Moderna and the CEO of Pfizer make public health policy? They'll go on the news and say, we require, we will be needing a fourth dose for X, Y, and Z. I'll tell you when. Mm. I mean, I guarantee you that all these people in the administration, Peter Marks at FDA, um, my my only question is when he leaves the FDA at the end of this term, is he going to go work for Moderna, (laughs) Pfizer, a hedge fund? Who's he going to go work for? Because all these people are participating in in the revolving door, I think. That's my Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and you're absolutely right. And the thing is, like, the, you, you you can get branded an anti-vaccine activist just for saying that, you know, well, like for daring to question the financial I mean, incentives here. I, I do think that um, you've mentioned a few times the people who are critical of us and uh, et cetera. I just, I really don't think that that's most people. I've recently yeah, I agree. had the opportunity to talk to a lot of ID doctors, a lot of academics, very senior people. And I, and I really feel that most people are where you and I are. Um, yeah. There's obviously a group of zealots online for them being anti-anti-vax is just as tribal and important as it is for anti-vax people. You know, like yeah. these anti-vax people, it's part of their identity. It's the thing that they get up and they think, how can I... How can I slap an MR, MMR vaccine away from a child? I mean, I think they might right. think that. And then the anti-anti-vax is how, do, can I, how can I slap the person who wants to slap the booster? Or how can I slap a, a fourth dose into an 18-year-old? I mean, they're both kind of delusional. I mean, they're, they're delusional. They have their tribe. They're online. They have all these puppet accounts that they retweet each yeah. other and praise each other. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're angry at you. Um, I, don't think, I, I don't think the root of their anger is your views. I think the root of their anger is that you're able to run a one-hour show that's very engaging and that they're not. Because if they, if, <laughs> I mean, whatever your view is in life, if you're an anti, whatever, if you're a compelling speaker, you go out there and and, and work on your craft. You know, what you want people to believe something, go out there and do it. You know, um, I just saw this article. Last thing I'll say, I just saw this article. It's about Emily Oster. She's the economist at Brown. She's a very yeah. ra- rational thinker and, and I think she's quite smart. And this article was taking a big dump on her. And it was like, did you know when she wrote her second book, she gave a talk in front of a, a an audience that's libertarian right of center? I was like, her book is called Crib Sheet. It's about parenting. It was several years ago. I was like, she's not in cahoots, cahoots with uh, the far right. She just gave a talk. Why did she give there? I'll tell you probably why. Because when you write a book and if anyone asks you to come talk about it, you're like, oh, great. You go do it. You go yeah. do it because you're like, you're like, I'm not like, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You know, you just take whatever you get. Anyway, this article was on and on about Emily Oster and and she's this she's that and here's what here's what really I get to like what I get stuck on is here's what I tweeted it is embarrassing to write this creepy piece about a colleague because it is creepy dude it's like getting into what she did five years ago and I said if you want to close schools mask toddlers and slaughter hamsters to satisfy Lord Corona just make that argument directly you don't need to bring Emily Oster into it and <laughs> and that's what I, I keep coming to which is like if you want to boost 12-year-olds with, and by the way, it's the same side mode. The mRNA vaccine is supposed to be a platform that you can easily swap out the part in the middle. You can easily put the new sequence in. If that, And that's why we use it. Like, it's so easy to change. And if that's true, why the hell are we still getting the, yeah. same, the same old ancestral sequence that's gone? So anyway, but if you really want to keep boosting people with the same old crap um, without any randomized data, like a, like a damn fool, you're free to make the case and be a damn fool elsewhere. You don't need to bring Emily Oster into it or anyone else. Or z no, because 
No, because 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 there's a political angle, like you said, they're attacking her because she spoke for a libertarian group or whatever. Who cares who you spoke for, dude? And Give fi- me a break. And five five years, and and it was a book, <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and it was about a book called Crib Sheet. The book is Crib. Oh, what do you, what what was the collusion in Crib Sheet? Were they trying to you know? I mean, what yeah, was yeah. what was the well, well, the well, right you know, right wing plot? <laughs> yeah, they they wanted them to sleep on their belly instead of their back. Oh, you know? it's like, yeah. oh my god, uh, it, 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 it's it's exactly it. And uh, what I did notice. What I do notice, you're, by the way, you're, at, you're you're absolutely right. The there's a silent majority, and I say silent majority because they don't make a lot of sound that agree with a lot of the rational stuff that's been going around the Osters, the U's, etc. Saying, look, yeah, no, we're actually with you, and actually, a lot of them are doctors, a lot of them are public health people. They're quietly because if you open your mouth, you get you get you attract the loud crazy people. That's right. And, and I'm saying this honestly, crazy people. Cra- like, I mean, I had this. Are, yeah. I had this one person on my show a few years ago. I deleted all the episodes we did with her. We did one. I deleted them all because somehow when that whole Twitter thing happened, I noticed she had tweeted and she's like, "Oh, you know, now he's gonna go like she she's attacking me. She's like, you, 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 he's gonna go sign up an account on Parler and you know Truth and and Trump." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, you are completely insane." I mean, like, I you're guess kidding what, me. What, like, what does it say about someone's brain that they? Like, like they can't even. I mean, like Z. Like, if I were to look at your point of view, um, your point of view has been. First of all, you featured a lot of people across the spectrum. That's one thing. Uh, you have off it one week. You have Marty the next week. I mean, you have a range of different people. That's a, that's a fact. Number two, you've consistently been a passionate advocate for vaccination. At the same time, you've also acknowledged people's legitimate concerns. If anything, that makes you a more effective vaccine advocate than these, you know, zealots. Because zealotry is not attractive. You know, fundamentalism is not as attractive as acknowledging people's real concerns. So anyway, you're you're this person, and and now suddenly you're going to be on Parler or you're going to be on uh, yeah. what is it called? Truth Social, the new. Tr- Trump, uh, what is it? Is it Trump? Right. <laughs> it's Trump Twitter. Trump Twitter. <laughs> Trump Twitter, yeah. And by the way, yeah, I don't no. think he's even tweeted once on it, but yeah, he's the Trump, no, no. Trump Twitter. And, and you know what's funny? So my my assistant, her son, uh, just decided, you know what? I'm going to get Z-Dog an account on Truth because I want to hold it in case uh, some bot steals oh, yeah, it. And yeah. so I, I there is a Z-Dog MD on, on Truth. Truth Social. <laughs> I don't him, even have access. Tell him the truth. <laughs> yeah. Truth with Tell a, the truth. Truth with a ph or something. Truth with a <laughs> truth. truth. Oh truth. man, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah, no, but but you know the other the other thing that you that you do that you mention is they people. Okay, if you do somebody's job better than them. Yeah. They people don't like that. So if you're out advocating, like you know, you're you're doing critical thinking better than a lot of people who are paid to do critical thinking, and and the, the people don't they don't like that. Yeah. So they're going to find a reason to uh, hate on you and do all that. And look, that's all fine. I think you're you know you're spot on that. Like you know, when I get stopped on the street and it happens a lot, which is weird. Um, it, it, I, people will tell me, thank you. And, you know, I'm, I work as a scientist. I do this, I do that. Thank you for like speaking tr- truth that we're all afraid to say because we're going to get deleted. Um, you know, so- to be honest with you, I think that you call them the silent majority. And some and like in the last few days, I've kind of been like, hmm, maybe I'm going to join this silent majority because the headache mm, of giving mm. your point of view, I mean, let me put it differently. Like you, I think there are de- like. I, I, I do feel like I, I like to comment about issues where I have expertise and I think differently than others. And I feel like if somebody was saying exactly what I want to say, the same way I'd say it, I probably wouldn't feel so obliged to comment, but I often yeah. don't find that. That said, I think if you do a video 
if you do um, uh, a Substack post, um, you're the one who told me about this way to put videos on Twitter, and I've been trying it. Actually, it's very, it's very effective, very effective. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, those have been effective. I think if you just tweet 140 characters, it's it's really it's really impossible, Z. I think you're totally yeah. right. Like you just, I mean, people read it. I, I don't know, maybe they read your thing and they're like, like you had written whatever you said about Cal Academy. Uh, we're just gonna blow shit up in our background and uh, backyard, and they probably read it as say, uh, I hate museum. Like I don't know what's yes. going on. You know, maybe yeah. they, they, yeah. they can't even read. Um, no you know, nuance. No nuance, and maybe they they can imagine you're saying it. I mean, I I can't even. I don't dude, know. Dude, dude, I mean. oh, dude. Okay, this. Okay, I want to. I, I want to double down on this for a second. That is the problem. Like, I know people who are so angry with you because they read a tweet, a tweet, or a couple tweets, and they're imagining your voice, they're imagining your stance, <laughs> they're imagining your politics, yeah. they're creating all this artificial context. Whereas there's real context that if we talk to you, you <clears throat> will know that context. That's why I'm so I'm so glad you're putting video there yeah. because it is it, it's you in context with nuance, able to express body language, and the thing is you're naturally good at that. You're a great communicator, so people can see in your expression and what how you actually are trying to intend to communicate because humans actually communicate not beyond language, there's all this right brain stuff that happens with body language and stuff. So I, I, I think that's really, that, that, that was really the primal reason I think I instinctively deleted Twitter because I realized my style of communication does not lend itself to that. But now, you know, I'm gonna use it just for posting the videos that my team's gonna do. But at some point I may do what you're doing, which is just video posts like, Dude, so there's none of this ambiguity. You were the one who suggested this to me, and I'm going in that direction. Well, one, I'm pretty close to being like 100% outgoing. I made the mistake of actually trying to explain something to someone the other day. I don't want to mm. say what day, <laughs> but mm. but I immediately regretted it. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. Inevitably, somebody made some snarky comment about like, oh, you know, you don't understand this type of analysis. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? I was like, I have published so many papers on this analysis. I was like, shut I was like, I don't understand this analysis. I was like, get out of here. I was like, you you don't understand this analysis. Um, but, uh, and then I, I tried to, like, I, I, so I swallowed my pride and I tried to put it really nicely. Um, but then ultimately I was like, you know, I'm not going to persuade someone who just literally just cannot understand this basic concept. And yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, think, I think that's the problem in the modern age where, I don't know, like, you know, people don't know what they don't know. I mean, you yeah, know. Yeah, Dunning-Kruger. Yeah. yeah, they don't know what they don't, but I mean, I think we're, I mean, you know, I, 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 look, if you ask me how do you solve the situation in the Ukraine, I'll tell you the answer. I have no fucking clue. I have yeah, no, no clue. clue. But that doesn't no stop. Clue. I see these other people. They used to be COVID experts. Now they're saying, you know, we need a no-fly zone or we need to ban pharmaceuticals. <laughs> you know, they have all these suggestions and right. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I was like, given your track record in COVID, I just really want to, I'm going to have to not follow you on this. I'm like pretty sure. <laughs> pretty, I mean, I, if I had to bet, I'd bet it's the opposite of what you're saying, but okay. But I mean, why are they even talking about these different domains? How can anyone take them seriously? But yeah, that, yeah, and you know that, and you just brought up something that's interesting. This idea of because well, here is a domain we can discuss. There, there have been proposals that pharmaceutical companies should stop giving essential or non-essential medicines oh, to I Russians. Know. Are you reading? Yeah. My, are you are you hack my computer? Uh, yeah, uh, totally. Are you writing something about this? Oh, tomorrow morning it's going to drop. It's oh. called an unethical proposal from an ethicist. But there, <laughs> there is an ethics professor. Oh, this Art, Art Kaplan yeah. doing this? Oh my god. Let me Please read, tell me more. Let me read you yeah. this quote. I mean, this will probably come out um, the day after, but here's what he says. Um, 
How far should non-cooperation with Russia go? Very, very far. All research, both ongoing and new, must cease immediately. Whatever can be done to minimize harm to existing subjects in a short period of time ought to be done, but that is it. Similarly, this is the key part, quote, no sale of medicines or therapies ought to be occurring, be they life-saving or consumer products. Putin will see to it that such shipments go to the military or sold on the black market for revenue, end quote, and there's nothing pharma company can do about that, um, can do to stop that. Here's, here's what I think he's actually saying. Imagine there's a 68-year-old man in Russia right now with lymphoma, and we can give him curative drugs. He's saying we should not send those yeah. drugs so that this guy will die. A 20-year-old with testicle cancer, curative drugs we have, our pharmaceutical companies make, don't sell them in Russia. Let that guy die. Um, I looked up the UN charter on um, what are war crimes, and it says, quote, intentionally directing attacks against the civilian population as such or against individual civilians not taking part in hostilities, end quote. And to me, what Art Kaplan is suggesting, not giving them pharmaceutical drugs for not Putin, an average Russian who they themselves may be protesting the government or victim of Putin's uh, autocracy, the average Russian, he wants to like let them die. It is literally taking a direct attack against a civilian in the nation. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing we condemn Putin for. I, I think it's crazy. What is what is the, what kind of ethicist is this guy? What, is this an ethicist? What, or is he an he, anti-ethicist? Where is, where is he going with this? I mean, he's behaving like he's blinded by emotion again, and and just just anger. Like that is not that's not a scientific approach to angrily deny a sixty eight year old or a twenty year old with testicle cancer in Russia, dude. It, anybody, look, you don't have to be a genius to realize that Putin shrouds everything in a bubble of of his own information design. Yeah. The average Russian may be pro war, you don't even know, but the truth is that's not their fault. And so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna abuse. So we have power. Yes. In the United and, States, and, and, and yeah, and, and, and I mean, and, and some Russians are anti-war. They've gone on their news show and and, right. and, and great yeah, risk right. to themselves. Great risk, great yeah. risk to themselves. And and to be honest, like a lot of places, I suspect that most scientists who work in a country are actually quite neutral about politics as long as it doesn't interfere with what they want to do. Yeah, um, right. But I mean, can you imagine? It's like it's like basically like going. It's like going to some random person in Russia and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're going to have malignant hypertension this month because uh, right. our, our ethicists say we're going to cut you off of your lisinopril habit." I mean, I mean, right. we, I mean, what are we you, doing? You, so, yeah, you're going to have thyroid storm or myxedema yeah. coma because you know I, <laughs> because, because, because Kaplan, just so uh, yeah right. because Art Kaplan says that it's unethical to give you medicine and and the thing is again like we the kind of power that there is a war going on. I mean, the, the United States and the Western world is using economic yes. power but, and but interdependency. There's a, there's a big difference, I think, which is that, like, who is using the economic power and the sanctions? The United States government, in concert with other governments, are making yes. calculations at a high level using yes. political scientists and using people who specialize in foreign policy and not- Purportedly. Purportedly, and not rando medical ethicist saying that, like <laughs> that, that you know, that we should cut off their supply of chemo drugs and and let's let's put the. And by the way, you really think some sixty eight year old with like untreated cancer is going to be able to put the screws on Putin? How are they going to be able to muster up? The, you know, they got untreated cancer. Uh, they gonna, how are they going to put the screws on yeah. Vladimir? You know, they're going to march in the street. They you know? I mean, they they need the chemotherapy. I think to give them the the strength to be able to put up resistance. They're not going to be able to yeah. do it without depriving them of medicines. This it's, is the it's dumb, it's unethical, and it's ineffective. So it's you have all of that. Yeah. You have all of that. Like, look, even, look, McDonald's leaving the country, you know, that's marginally effective, but it's more a symbolic gesture. But pharma stopping, you know, deliveries of medicines, that's just, you know, that's a war. You're like you said, it's an economic war crime in yeah. a way, you know. I mean, it doesn't target Putin. It just targets the people taking the medicines. That's right. 
That's right. You want to target Putin? Just target Putin, dude. Or like the that, other rich the, people. Yeah. The, uh, the people. oligarchs, you know, there are ways to do that. Like, you know, of course, he's going to get medicine from wherever he wants. But, yeah, exactly uh, right. So you're just hurting yeah. the poor people in the country. Yeah, right? yeah. The it's just really, person. it's really, and Putin doesn't give a damn, you know. Well, again, I'm, I'm mind reading. Forget it. Forget I said that. No, that's an emotional statement. Um, oh, but yeah, so, so that kind of thing, I think, again, like gets into this armchair, like, so everybody's on Twitter saying, oh, we should do this and we should do that. And look, I made my mistake. I did my ranty angry video, but I said, look, I'm ranty and angry. I was already ranty and angry about Twitter. I was ranty and angry about Putin and, you know, basically ranting and raving about him, but there's at no point do I claim to have any answers at all. Cause I have none. I got a new know? one for you. This happened while ah. we were on our little hiatus or maybe it didn't. I'll tell you anyway. Uh, number one, <laughs> Michigan state university, my alma mater. It's announced nice. that indoor basketball games we're dropping mask and vaccine mandates. Yes. Oh. Okay. But inside the classroom, you got to mask up. <laughs> and then here's the third, the third part of the the argument. The president is actually an infectious disease physician. He's an ID doctor. What? Yeah. <laughs> He's what? an ID doctor. Yeah, he is. And I was like, does he know? Uh, <laughs> wow. That you know, it might spread at the basketball game. I mean, I don't know if he. Uh, but like, you either drop both or you drop neither. But you certainly don't drop this order. That's pretty dumb. Oh man, that is just <laughs> nuts. So again, from the annals of what the fuck. Well. But, so yeah, I, go ahead. I, I think you need to know this: that masks do not work when university presidents are catering donors. I know, they just don't work there. <laughs> they don't work when we're dealing with donors. They, if you know what I they mean, they don't work at the French Laundry. They don't work. You know, there's a lot no. of places masks just they, simply they, don't work. Well, if you hold your breath, they don't work. And little kids, they can't hold their breath, so they definitely work in younger kids. But if you get to be like a mayor, like once you get to be mayor or above governor, mayor, yeah. they don't work anymore. They only it's just work. Assume yeah. that your breath holding skills are sufficient. Just, uh, to, obviously, to manage, you have to hold your breath when you walk around so, you all know, that. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to back up to the booster, fourth booster thing for a yeah. second, because you've probably looked at this data more than I have. What data what, there what is. What data? There's two scat. Yeah, right. Yeah. What are they basing this fourth booster <clears throat> recommendation on? Like, is this severe disease protection? Because that's all I care about. I don't care about infection. Well, I mean, I guess the one thing I would say is you're absolutely right in like what the endpoint you want. That's number one. Number two. Um, we have literally no randomized data. These are data that's population data comparing people who've chosen to get the fourth dose versus those who uh, have been reluctant to get the fourth dose. In one of those preprints that's currently available, it's a Pfizer study from Israel. Um, indeed, people who got the fourth dose have a lower rate of symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 than people who got three doses. But here's the problem, Z. Oh my God. They actually this look is at, so obvious. Yeah. They look at the hazard rate um, uh, day by day. And what you want to see is that in the beginning, day one, two, three, they had the exact same risk of COVID because, of course, the booster could not have taken effect yet. But what you see is on day one, there's a huge difference. The people who got the booster are doing better than those who didn't. And it actually gets a little bit smaller by day two, three, and then it gets bigger over time. But what that mm -hmm. tells you is that you have unmeasured confounding, that they are fundamentally yep. different people. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That, the minute you told me the study design, I was like, oh, yeah. So basically, the gung-ho COVIDians yes. who are hiding out in, yes. their, in their cellars yes. are the ones going and getting that fourth booster. Of so, of course. course, day one, they see a benefit. Yeah, day one. <laughs> yeah, right. Day one, they see. And then, and then, and then the, and then the anti-anti-vaxxers are saying, so see how good it works? I was like, see how good it works? It can't possibly work that fast okay and then it the works so good yeah exactly the next study was like a healthcare worker study that they published as a letter to the editor in uh, new england journal and it, i mean the problems with this study are um one um it uh it uh um they have a lot of surveillance testing 
And I think I'm trying to remember the exact wording of the letter, but it said most of the infections that were averted had, quote, like negligible or uh, absolutely trivial, some some very uh, symptoms. Like it's not only is it not averting severe disease, it's averting like what are we thought to be like negligible, sim- like P- trivial symptoms. Yeah. PCRitis. Yeah, exactly. Or, or as you know, Barack Obama tweeted that he got COVID, which tells you, you know, even the presidents will get COVID. Um, and uh, it, he said that he had the, scra- the quote unquote scratchy throat. You know, scratchy yeah. throat, and so so at this point we're we're giving boosters to like avoid a, a scratchy throat, like you know it, it's a bit much, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> make, make, <laughs> make, make no mistake, VP, the scratchy throat was uh, it was obnoxious. I was uh, <laughs> I was there with Michelle, and we were uh, we were eating chips, and it hurt. It hurt a little bit. Yeah, I mean that it's it's true. It's like, <laughs> That's you know, good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely trivial. Do you remember when George W. Bush choked on a chip? Yeah, I watching remember. Like a, he syncopized. He syncopized, yeah, and his bagel tone event. was so high because he was so yeah, fit. Because he was fit. Now, my friend has a theory that George W. Bush actually um, started drinking again when he was in office because he was a former alcoholic and because of the stresses of office. And that's why he kind of went so crazy and kind of a little bit goofy off the rails. And that whole syncopal thing was just nonsense. He passed out or something. You know, there was a a drunken uh, something. But but again, that's pure pure gossip and a total lie but uh just this idea <laughs> but, of choking I mean, on a chip yeah i mean again I'm not heard of I mean, if I george know... w had gotten a fourth booster he wouldn't have choked on that chip according to the hazard ratio day one like oh chip yeah choking. chip choking day one <laughs> day one by the way the, pro- the probable reason probable reason that day one they, they were doing so well is they were all at home having all the b symptoms from <laughs> from the booster i saw like, oh, I... oh that's interesting yeah you start I... to wonder the taking the day off. I saw somebody, yeah. um, or the, or well, I have to think about that. They, or, um, they didn't get tested for COVID because they thought it was the va- va- vaccine symptoms or, you know, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, that's yeah. a possibility too. But, but, but I mean, that's illustrative of like all the confounders in a non-randomized trial. Yeah. I mean, non-randomized trial is called garbage. I mean, what is he talking about? This <laughs> is just called garbage. I mean, yes, if you're really, really good, you can do sort of a non-randomized study with some causal inference if you're Miguel Hernan. And if you have a situation where there is no strong confounding by indication or motivation to get the treatment for one type of person versus another. But if you're doing these kinds of studies, they're hopelessly, hopelessly confounded. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, you know, last I checked, um, here's how much money Pfizer has uh, to do the randomized trial. A shit ton. Because they have like eighty, <laughs> bi- they have like $80 billion from the, va- yeah. the vaccine. And also, you know what? I- I'll be right. Like, unless you show me a randomized trial of a 39-year-old healthy who gets a fourth dose and has a reduction in severe disease or hospitalization, I'm not going to be... Yeah. excited about getting a booster for myself no way yeah no way. agreed uh, you know it, it was so so actually relating to this the the idea of confounding factors in non-randomized trials so ha- are you have you caught up with any of this ivermectin stuff so far as the data starts to trickle out i haven't ha- I, I, I knew there were there, there were ongoing randomized trials but yeah. i haven't um I haven't kept up. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. Well, you know what? We'll do. We'll do. We'll at some point we'll do an update. But there's you nothing encouraging about That's ivermectin. It's <laughs> yeah. just not. You know. And again, it's like, come on, guys. Like the confounders are there in your face. I recently had the misfortune you. of talking to somebody who's a big advocate for early treatment, and uh, I regretted those 15 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> they always, they have, like, a really sort of an intense look in their eye, and they're like, you know, you know it works. And I was like, I, I, I would know it if you showed me some convincing data, but uh, I don't know it, actually. So I would love uh, early treatment to be highly effective. I mean, what what is it? I mean, we'll have to, at some point, we'll have to review the data on Paxlovid and Molnupiravir so far. I mean, it seems to be slightly in short supply. Yeah. But um, um, Molnupiravir has a little bit of a problem with that mutagenesis. But the mutagenesis, Paxlovid, yeah. The Paxlovid data I reviewed, um, and um, my thing was like, I, like, I was like, oh, well, looking good. The effect size is a little bit smaller than initial estimates, sure. But the problem was it was in a trial, the data that I've seen to date, and the package label is on a trial that's only in the unvaccinated. What's the data for oh, the yeah. vaccinated? And there is a study, but it has not published or disseminated the results. So I actually don't know what's the data in the vaccinated. And I'm really mm. curious because obviously mm. it's not, I suspect it's not going to have the same bang. Magnitude of benefit. Correct, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, it's interesting. I mean, at least we have that. But now, so the mutagenesis thing with molnupiravir is really interesting. I'm a little surprised that... That was even allowed to be used if there's a pro if there's a concern that you're going to generate um, more variants. With yeah, the use I'm of not this drug. a uh, as a general rule. I'm not a fan of things that are called mutagens. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking? What is a mutagen? You, you don't like to sit on the corner and smoke a you know pack of Marlboro Reds. You know, come on, dude. That's a, that's just a rite of passage. That's a rite of passage. Oh, um, I got a good story for you. Okay. Ah, yeah. Um, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. Did you see? Ashish Jha, another oh. brown guy, another Indian, yes, Indian American, fellow, fellow brown guy. So and guy at Brown at the uh, the the University Brown, and he's at the University Brown. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he is now the new COVID czar. I saw that. Okay, so I want to make one point, and I okay. So here's what I think. Um, you know, uh, and I did a video on this, and I was like, look, I I got nothing against the guy personally. You know, he's uh, I'm sure he's fine. Um, and you know, to be honest, I'm sure they're going to pick somebody who I don't really like a lot because they somebody who said some things that you know I disagree with. And this guy said some things I disagree with. He was kind of pro school closure, but at least he had the decency to admit he was wrong later. Um, right. You know, and uh, and he should have pushed harder. Um, I, I kind of dislike the fact that you know I feel like he's 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 always just kind of parroting uh, the centrist point of view. And lately, I think he has been cozy with the administration. But here's what I want to point out. He's a guy in health policy. Infectious disease, he might have done a little bit of it, but it wasn't his wheelhouse pre-COVID. COVID comes along, and he starts tweeting like the threads, and those threads get the appeal of reporters, and he's like makes himself available for phone calls and quotes, and then he goes on CNN, and he does like a good job of, I think, talking, you know, neutral, calm, kind of calming presence and being middle of the road on CNN, and he gets a lot of media appearances, and the media appearances catch the eye of the White House. The White House puts him on some like secret email um, called up, like it's like updates and uh, announcements, um, and and that gives him the advantage so he can write an op-ed like five minutes after they announce a new policy because he kind of knew it was coming. Um, he was criticized for this by Waleed Jalad in the Wall Street in the in the New York Times, and he said, "I categorically deny receiving talking points from the White House, although I do receive updates and announcements." And I was <laughs> like, a, "That's that's called that's a talking a, point. That's, that's, that's the a same talking thing. point. That's a talking <clears throat> point." Okay, but here's the point I want to make to you: If there was no Twitter, this dude would not be the White House czar. He is on the TV because he's on the Twitter. He's in the White House because he's on the TV. This is all the same. And so here's the thing. Twitter is not real life. It's not the midpoint of real life. It's full of crazy people. But it has real power because this dude got this really important job 
just because he started tweeting a lot. And that's kind of scary if we think about it. That's really scary. Dude. Okay, okay, okay. Lots to say here. My gosh. Okay. Okay. First thing, the minute I uh, reactivated my Twitter account, which, by the way, took away that cursed blue check, thank God, Mm. uh, that separated me from the filthy, unwashed masses with my celebrity status. Oh, look at you now. You're an animal. You're an an unchecked-marked animal. I'm basically a lowborn you know, I'm a, I'm a mutt. <laughs> you're you're like Bane in uh, in the third Batman. You're born in the hell, exactly. the pit, climbing. I'm I'm, I'm like Hermione Granger. I'm a mudblood. Like you know, it's, it, it, it's exactly Bane. That's hilarious. It, so so the 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 fact that um, Twitter can give you this power. So when I reactivated my account, I changed my handle description so that people were clear. It says this account is not checked. If you want to, de- it, I just hear them basically to post and ghost. You can check follow for new videos. And that check, here's a, in my link below is a way to DM me, not through Twitter, but through my, through an email that's set up through link bio. I immediately got an email from a reporter from a major uh, uh, newspaper asking me to do an op-ed on Omicron BA2. And really? yeah, immediately. Wow. Uh, and, and that's what Twitter does. And and I, I looked and that person had followed me on Twitter, like the minute I restarted the account. Yeah. And so I realized, oh, now I, I told them no, because I don't write and I have no business writing an op-ed <laughs> about Omicron BA2. But but there you go, right? So imagine I'm like, you know, somebody at a, in any institution and that happens to me. Ooh, yeah, I'll write an op-ed. And then the next thing, and it, even if I'm not fully qualified to do it, the next thing you know, I'm on CNN and then I'm a reasonable communicator. Next oh, thing yeah, I know, I'm on the it. White House task force. Yeah. Now, the thing is, you could say, oh, these liberals, you know, this is what you know, Biden does and he's, he's picking, you know, but then look at what Trump did. He picked, what's his name? Remember uh, his uh, White House? Uh, Scott or, uh, Atlas. And, uh, and, Atlas. And, and it's because and Atlas, Atlas was on TV. Was exactly. On TV. Yeah, yeah. Atlas was on Fox News yeah. and the president watches Fox News. So I don't know what's going on with our leaders, but- that's not the way you find experts. <laughs> and, so, and this is what would happen. They'd be in the task force meeting and um, you'd be like eating a cookie and drinking coffee. And they'd be like, um, uh, uh, Z-Dog, um, wastewater cases are up. Uh, you got any solutions? And uh, you'd be like, oh, oh, um, uh, did we, uh, uh, who, 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 who are you masking? And like, oh, well, we mask two-year-olds and up. And like, um, you think about one-year-olds? <laughs> You're like, mm, mm, think about one year old. Eating, huh? your, eating your free, your <laughs> government free donut. White House cookie. <laughs> White House cookie. Oh, man. That is, uh, that is like, basically. Mm, do you have macadamia nut? Uh... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. What, 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 what is this cheese? It's just wonderful. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, that's that. that you know, we, we're joking about it, but it, it, it's, the funny thing is, it's not funny, man. This is no, exactly. They're, they're, and then they're like, and then they're, none of them are wearing masks and they're all talking about, oh, well, we got to mask up. You know, I'm sure yeah. they're not. Yeah, we saw the state of the union look at that state of the union was a super spreader event i mean look at that (laughs) (laughs) look at that they're all hugging and kissing yeah, and, and you know what? Good, good on them for doing that. But I know, bad but on them look, for not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, good on them. Like an eighty-four-year-old living life. Sure, I'm proud of that. But like, then <laughs> right. they go back to their district and they slap a mask on a four-year-old. I think that's yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I still cannot get over how conditioned our children are here in the Bay. And you know what? They so I talked to my daughter. I actually did a show with my daughter, um, my fourteen-year-old. What? Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't release it publicly. Oh, okay. uh, I released it only to my paying subscribers because oh, putting it behind add, a paywall. It turns out. To that you, camp. You, you know what's amazing? So here, yeah. here, 
No, I'll give you free access. Just let oh, me okay, remind okay. me. Uh, you have enough to look at, but um, I'll send you the link to the thing. But so what's funny is all it takes is a $5 a month fee to weed out every single every fucking hater. psychopath, every hater. every hater. They won't pay five bucks. They're like five bucks. Oh no. Even if they, they, they would get access to videos that I do that are so off the rails. Like they could use all the stuff against me. Like, Oh, he said this in a video to his supporters <laughs> and they won't do it. They're like five bucks. Oh, hell no. No, like, I can't give Zito five bucks. I hate him so much. I hate him so much that I'll think about, you know, to be honest, that's the one thing that I'm surprised with is like, I was like, you know, like anyone else, I've got people who I dislike, sure. But um, if if in the course of a week, I'm so busy, Z, I'm so oh, busy, dude, I just yeah. I just can't even think about him. I have so yeah. many of my own goals and tasks, and you know, I'm hard on myself for not achieving all the things I want to do, and uh, I just don't got time. And uh, yeah. and 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 honestly, you know, every minute you have you have for for your hater uh, is a minute you're you're falling behind in your own craft. It, you know, it's it. It's how they win is they take your time and your mental yeah, energy. That's why you have yeah. to ignore, totally ignore. Yeah, you have to, because they'll infect you, you know. But, and even, uh, even but, trying to teach them basics is hopeless. Because oh, it's hopeless. The yeah, brain don't work no more. It's hopeless. You know, you see Steve Kirsch out there, that guy, the ivermectin guy, he's like he's challenging Marty to a duel and he's challenged me to a duel. And it's like, if you spent one second thinking about people like that, it's one second too many. (laughs) I'm really, I'm still stuck on this early treatment, early treatment, early treatment. Um, You know, they also are the same people who are like, oh, the IFR is so low at young ages. It's super, super low. And there's new Lancet It doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So then I'm like, so, so we, I mean, I, I keep coming to my own thing. It's it's such a mild disease that a healthy person should have nothing to worry about. But you sure, sure as hell need to take this fistful of vitamins and minerals right now. <laughs> like that's really important. Like it can't both be, you know, like I'm right, on. right. And right. also, but a, na- a nanogram dose of a, 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 a vaccine is a is a terrible idea. You know, it's, it's how many it's colds in- and flus have you had in your life, dude? A- a- infinite. Okay, how many tablets have you taken, dude? I barely take anything for that shit because none of it works. Of course. Of yeah. course. That's the prior. I mean, yeah. t- the thing that people started taking was Tamiflu. I was wise. I never took it. And now we have data that it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> you know, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, cra- it's crazy to me that you would want to do something that hacks your physiology, a.k.a. treatment. Uh, as opposed to something that actually uses your own immune system, which is vaccine. And even that, again, right. is not a one size fits all. But but yeah, it's it's crazy. So so my daughter in this thing, oh, yes. you know, she was describing um, her experience with uh, with her school and masking. And it was really interesting, you know, like go, going deep in it. And a lot of her teachers are very politically active. And so, you know, they're they're. Um, quite virtuously signaling about different things. And she found it a lot, a lot of pressure. And she said, I'm going to wear a mask because I, I'm in middle school and I don't want to, you know, I don't even want to talk about it. If I mention it, even to my friends, they're like, what is your dad an anti-masker or something? Like what's going on? And it's well, like, I will admit that I'm sympathetic because like, I'd, I'd rather wear a mask than have to have a conversation. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, right? Or, or, or have to ha- let them see my facial expression. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, uh, my is, look of like, oh my God. But, um, yeah. you know, the other day somebody, was like, you know, but you know, if you look at the totality of the evidence, and I was just like, I just have to stop you. I was like, you do know that I have looked at the, I published a systematic review of every article. And then this weekend, I read the Cochrane update on physical barriers for, for respiratory viruses. So I have in fact reviewed 
the totality. I was like, so, 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 you know, in this conversation, the person who hasn't reviewed the totality, it's you, actually. I don't know if you yeah. know that. You know, and I'm pretty sure that most of the most ardent believers, they haven't even read a single study. And they're yeah. probably not. The other thing is, like, I can't imagine reading a mask study if you don't read biomedical studies for a living. I mean, you know, it's there's really a lot. difficult. To, yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to tease out. You know, I, when I read those studies, I have to read really carefully and slowly and it takes time and there's a lot, you know? Okay. So sometimes I'll, you know, I'll call you up or I'll call up Paul Offit and I'll be like, dude, so how do you interpret this? And they're like, well, like this. I'm like, oh, okay, I was right. Or no, ooh, I missed that. Okay, I got that wrong. Uh, so it's hard. That's so hard. you do need, you do have to rely on expertise, right? You, you know, there is this death of expertise idea that we we we're, you know we no longer trust experts. We think we're all experts. That Dunning Kruger in full effect. It, it's frustrating because uh, at some point you look at some experts and you see there's blindness there. You're like, oh, they're you know they're in a box. They're not looking at policy. They're not looking at the bigger picture. But at the same time, we you have to rely on that. Like I don't want you know you know the Russians are occupying Chernobyl right now. They basically have 200 of the staff there working. 24 seven, because there's nobody else who knows how to do that shit. So, you know, you have to rely on expertise uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. The problem is like Twitter, um, it makes it difficult. Like for instance, um, you know, like some of the most quoted virologists are like people who have like just finished their doctorate and have never run a lab and have never published many papers and and have never really ex done health policy and have never done, you know, the complexity of science and seen things evolve over time. And so, you know, you get some newbie who, you know, they can put a lot of... Um, well, we've all seen. You can put a lot of stuff in your in your Twitter bio <laughs> to make yourself look really good, um, but uh, you, you don't necessarily have the chops. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, what else has happened? Um, oh... I don't know if I should mention this. There was a very interesting um, John Yonides. He he's poking the bear. Um, you know, he was early on in the pandemic. He wrote that thing that 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 the pandemic is an evidence based fiasco. You know, we don't have great evidence for things. Um, he r didn't sign the John Snow and the GBD. We've talked about that on this show. He didn't sign either. Um, but what he did recently was he did a citation analysis of Jon Snow and GBD authors, and he also looked at their Twitter accounts and how many followers they had and all this kind of stuff, and he published a paper in like BMJ Open or something, or BMC, BMJ Open, I think, um, and um, it's really annoyed a lot of people oh. because it found that the people who signed the Jon Snow mem memo uh, I think had sort of like lower citation counts, like less sort of an academic pedigree. Um, but they had way more Twitter followers and potentially Twitter influence. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is uh, great. But, but then what happened to him was like all the, you know, the usual suspect haters, they started hating on him. And, you know, when they hate on a journal article, they can write like these lengthy, I don't know, r rapid replies or whatever. Mm. And uh, somebody sent one, to, sent it to me to read. And I started looking at this and I was like, I, I swear to God, Z, this, this shit's like 40,000 words. I was oh. like, this is so, so long. Man. And I was like, I was like, God, I was like, this is such a, I was like, you have to reconsider your whole life if you're writing 40 grand. The dude wrote a 3,000 word article. You take it or leave it. You know, you don't dude. need to get it, but you're writing 40 G words fighting him too. And, and then, you know, obviously after the first seven G, seven G words, you just say the same stuff over again. It's the same stuff over and over you, again. You know what it is? This, this is, this is it. I've realized 
realize because I've had open letters written to me that are like mm-hmm. 20 million words about all the wrongs that I've had and all the people I've platformed and this and that. And I think what it is, is that these people have no ability to communicate. They have no ability to do what it is you and I do, which is communicate science clearly, concisely, and effectively. And so they talk and talk and talk in the way they know how, which is typing. If you actually pulled them aside and put them in camera and said, okay, explain what you're explaining and let's have a conversation, they would just flounder. They would fall yeah. apart. And I think that's that's why. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Yeah. Like responding to all this. And then I also like, I was like, I was like, Poor you know, John. Can, and can you imagine how few people are actually going to read this? No, no <laughs> I think it's hilarious that he even just decided to do that. It's kind of like a, you know, here you go. I just went and he did kinda, this. Yeah. I, uh, I felt like, I mean, obviously I felt like he was kind of pushing them a little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Well, you know, you but know, I mean, I don't know. He, maybe there's a, I mean, there's a point to it. There is a point. I yeah. Don't know. You may not like the point, but there is a point. There's a point. There's a point. It's an interesting angle. And, uh, you know, John has, I imagine suffered quite a bit during this thing yeah. with a lot of, uh, hate thrown his way. A lot um, of hate. A lot yeah. of hate. They yeah. hated that white suit he wore. I thought it looked good, man. Dude, you man. Know, listen, I like a good white suit. Crisp you, white suit. Have you looked at the Greek Isles? John, I imagine, is Greek. That shit yeah, is painted Greek. white. Yeah. Like white is A the- crisp white suit and that heat, you oh, need it. My, you need it. it it's, look, if we had actually painted all the, all the roofs in the US and around the world white, we wouldn't have global heating right now, brother, mm-hmm. because the shit would just be radiating into space. Speaking Maybe. of which, speaking of, oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> No, no, go on, go on. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, so speaking of which, I, I, this is a side note. James Webb Telescope, holy fucking shit. This is where, like, okay, you take $10 billion, which is a lot, and cost overruns and government, you know, bumbling and all that, but you turn it into actual science that went flawlessly. And I don't know if you've yeah. been following this thing at all, but, no. uh, dude, oh, my God. So let me take a second just to explain what these guys were able yes. to do. They took a massive mirror made out of beryllium and they folded it into the nose cone of an Ariane rocket. They tuned the rocket perfectly to this payload to allow it to be delivered at this location a million miles from Earth that is a stable gravitational well, the second Lagrange point, that allows it then to use less fuel to stay stable so that it extended the life of this mission like to 20 years from originally projected five years. This telescope unfolds in space with about, I think, 10,000 or something moving parts all of which could be cri- could be critical failure points that would scuttle the 10 billion dollar 20 year mission it all goes flawlessly it unveils a nanometer thick freaking sun shield that that shields it from heat from the sun because the telescope views in infrared and why infrared because as the universe expands it pulls the wavelengths of light apart from distant galaxies and into the infrared spectrum, this sort of heat spectrum. And we've never had a good telescope that can look at that in space that has the capacity of this. So the first test image that came out was just a calibration image of these 18 mirrors that had to be positioned perfectly. And it shows just on a, you know, just casually a star that's like 2000 light years away that basically the wow. light left the time that Jesus was born and is just wow. now getting here. And it looks like fucking blindingly bright. And then just hey, take a peek in the background. What are those little stars back there? Oh, they're not stars. Each of them is a galaxy. And wow. it's it's visualized in a resolution that is fucking ridiculous. And that's just the <clears throat> calibration image. Like we're going to see shit that's going to change our 
view of the entire our entire place in the universe because a bunch of scientists spent some of the commons to to go out and do this like only fucking humans would do something so crazy like it's fucking brilliant i love it and we, we can do and, all and, that, and yet but we're we, we, we can't boost some. Yeah, right. We can't boost some nursing home patients. What are you talking? <laughs> you can put this like foldable origami thing in space. That's amazing. It I love really looking is. at those. You know, when I was a kid, they had this program that if you wrote a letter to NASA, they'd like mail you back some oh, photos from yeah. Voyager. Yeah, and I yeah. would do that, and those were some good photos. And back then, they'd mail it on like like a real photo paper. It looked good. Oh man, dude, NASA knew how to inspire like awe in kids. I was a big astronomy buff as a kid. And I, I remember writing to a magazine called um, oh, Odyssey Magazine. It was kids astronomy stuff. And I was like, hey, uh, I was wondering, you guys mentioned that Pluto had a moon. Uh, I, I had not heard of that because there was no internet, right? I, I, what is this all about Pluto having a moon? And they wrote me back this big typed letter all about Charon, the moon of Pluto. Charon, and yeah. yeah, and all this shit. Now we all know about Pluto because of that probe, which by the way, I was like so riveted because I remember just asking this question as an eight-year-old of this magazine. And it's like that kind of awe in like how shit works, right? That ought to drive, you know, science, technology, engineering, and medicine people into into that field. And and yet I feel like to some degree, you know, I don't I, I don't I hope we're instilling that in kids now, you know? Uh it, there's just so much no, noise. Not. Yeah. It's so bad. I mean God, I don't know. I mean, especially after the pandemic. Ugh. I mean, you're you're absolutely right that like it was inspirational back in the day. But after the pandemic, when people think public health, they think the people who make like Kyrie Irving sit on the side yeah. and wear a mask and yeah. not. I mean, it's really yeah. a bad look. Yeah. We look like idiots. Yeah, and we're the same people who like make you wear that thing to the door. I mean, I think they think uh. you're. And then and then if you protest, they're gonna you know mob you on Twitter. I mean, I think they're gonna be embarrassed. Um. I worry we're gonna get scientific brain drain, but um, you know we already have problems. Like if you really, really run a lab, uh, run a research team like I do, you know the biggest problem is you gotta always get the money. Yeah, man, I'm like I'm like a Mary Kay cosmetic salesman looking for somebody <laughs> to fund. I mean, it's t it really is a really tough. It's tough. You're like, dude, I, I bought the kit and I gotta go sell it myself. It's you like having a job. You're you're basically that dude from Hustle and Flow, man. You gotta put in a little fake blue teeth in your ear and you miss out there for a pimp uh <laughs> that's what you know it, academic medicine is one of the few jobs where when you negotiate your pay um i swear to god this is true they're like oh you know well we're gonna offer you this and and you're like oh is there any room to negotiate and like well you can you could ask for more sure but you know you're gonna have to come up with that money yourself uh, <laughs> yeah and so you're like uh, yeah there's a lot of work to try to find that money so so you know what just why don't you lower it actually lower yeah, that make pay. it lower be, yeah make My it a little lower will be maybe, better yeah. Yeah, easier especially in san francisco where the cost of living is so low you know well you know you yeah. can you just need a good tent and need to find a good uh, a good park <laughs> and you're good and you i understand like, i understand crime is legal now in san francisco so you can just well, walk into a walgreens and take what you want up right to nine hundred dollars oh. so is yours for the i was waiting in line the other day and i was just like you know I, i'm tempted to just walk out not because i want to steal but i just don't like waiting in line so, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know where i saw this where uh, this this tweet that was terrific where it was like san francisco where crime is legal um but uh, a, a kid showing his face is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I recently read an article in SF Gate magazine that was talking about this uh, the, these um, posters that have been put up all around town. And it was um, 
the poster was shaming people who wear the tech bro jacket, like the Patagonia with like your company's name on it or whatever. And they're like, you realize you look like a Republican, right? You realize that. I'm like, wow, only in San Francisco is like that an epithet. Like, (laughs) You look like like a Republican. And the other thing they were saying is stop complaining about crime in the city and how San Francisco's going to hell. It's racist when you do that. Like all this shit. I was like, wow, this is hilarious. Only in San Francisco, man. It's racist. It's, it's, it's racist know. to complain about crime. Like that that well, was, be, you know, because, you know. My, my understanding is that racially minority groups are often the groups most concerned about crime. Yes, exactly um, true, actually. Know, and, uh, and my other understanding about San Francisco is that when you when you walk down the street and then there are piles of poo, uh, <laughs> you know, you really don't really care the cause. You just wish it weren't. You just want it to go away. You that's just a, want it to go away. It's a, yeah. it's a public health uh, issue at that point. Oh, that's ironic. You know, we do so much to prevent the errant respiratory droplets, but we don't do anything to prevent the errant feces in the city. You know, isn't that interesting? It, it, you know, you could, you're like, oh, you know, you'd have to wear an N95 and a sea breeze outside, but you could step in a pile of human excrement you know it's oh, an interesting yeah. public health decision oh yeah okay. or or the fact that you know when i lived in san francisco for medical school i lived uh at, at, at in front of a muni station and my windows would be crusted with like all the the dust that um hmm. that muni that it, it would kick up and and from the from the rail and the the electrical stuff on that it interfaces with and i used to have to keep my windows closed because i would see it build up you know in the house and i'm like i'm not breathing that stuff so there's that, you know, but, uh, you know, mask up outdoors with an N95 because of a, you know, virus that <laughs> you're immunized against with four boosters. One, one year ago. Yeah, one four year. Boosters now. <laughs> ah, so actually, I'm going to see you tomorrow. That's, That's right. That's We're a good. We're actually going to see each other tomorrow face to face. You know what? No masks. Of course, we've never worn That's masks right. when we see each other face to face. No, we always wear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh and yeah we're going to be interviewing a mystery guest it's going to be a lot mystery of fun guest. yeah okay anyway we did a thing I it's agree. good to talk to you pleasure as always it's a joy subscribe to the show share it everywhere you can check out both of our channels zdog md show and plenary session and we are out thanks vp